Welcome to the 229th of the COVID Calls. This is a daily discussion of the COVID-19 pandemic with a diverse collection of disaster experts. My name is Scott Gabriel Knowles. I'm a historian of disasters at the Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology. I'm coming to you live today from Daejeon, South Korea. Today is a discussion of COVID-19 and mental health in Turkey with Dr. Jinkis Kilic. Just a reminder, you can catch COVID Calls live every weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. Just go to the COVID Calls YouTube channel to watch. You can also watch COVID Calls on Facebook Live, Twitch, and Periscope. A programming note, today and probably on uh, several uh, days, probably on Fridays uh, coming up, we'll move to Fridays being on Korea time, and I'll be sure to make announcements well ahead of time so that you can plan your your schedule for watching COVID calls. You can also hear COVID calls anytime recorded as podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, or anywhere you get podcasts. You can also keep up with COVID calls via Twitter using the handle at US of Disaster or at COVID calls. Please do help spread the word and send suggestions for future guests and future topics. Please feel free to suggest yourself as a future guest. As of today, February 26th, 2021, there are 2,506,344 deaths from COVID-19 globally. That's according to the Johns Hopkins University Coronavirus Resource Center. There are 28,358 deaths reported in Turkey as of today, and 1,581 deaths from COVID-19 reported in South Korea. As a way to bring some humanity to the numbers, I've been reading a life story or a story of advocacy for those impacted by the pandemic, and I'd like to continue that now. This is an obituary of Chimil Taskioglu, professor and specialist in internal medicine, born in Riza, Turkey in 1952, and died in Istanbul on April 1st, 2020, disappeared in The Lancet. Emil Kaskioglu retained such a store of medical knowledge that he developed a reputation for diagnosing rare diseases. He became so well known for this skill that doctors around the country transferred undiagnosed cases to the Istanbul Faculty of Medicine at Istanbul University, Turkey, where he worked, knowing he was likely to have more success. His colleagues compared him to the fictional television doctor Gregory House from the series House. The comparison extended only to his abilities, though, and not to his personality. While the television character was acerbic, Taskioglu, a longtime professor in the university's Department of Internal Medicine, was very compassionate and helpful towards students, residents, and patients, said Sukru Palandus, who first met Taskioglu as a resident in the department. Palandus, who is now a professor in the Istanbul Faculty of Medicine and chair of the Division of Internal Medical Sciences said Taskioglu would not only teach students medicine, but also give them life advice. Taskioglu graduated from Istanbul University's Istanbul Faculty of Medicine in 1977 before completing specialist training in internal medicine there in 1982. After a stint working in Sanlıurfa in southeastern Turkey, he returned to Istanbul University in 1989, settling in the Department of Internal Medicine. He was named an associate professor in 1993 and became a professor in 1998. 
He was considered so invaluable that even after he retired in 2019, the university rehired him as an adjunct professor. Palandus said that participating in his clinical rounds was more valuable and informative than reading hundreds of pages from textbooks. Although Ataskioglu was known for his diagnostic skills, his students said that he was happiest when they arrived at a diagnosis before him. He was always eager to honor hard work and, compl and complex thinking, said Gulistan Bahat, a former student of Taskiglu's and now a professor in the Department of Internal Medicine's Division of Geriatrics at Istanbul University's Istanbul Medical School. Taskiglu made the first COVID-19 diagnosis in Turkey, and it's believed he contracted the virus from a patient. A new research hospital in Istanbul has been named after him. He is survived by his wife, Didem, and three sons, Onur, Irem, and Denis. Okay, I'm going to turn to my conversation for today. and Let me introduce my guest, Dr. Genghis Kilic, graduated from Istanbul University Medical School in 1984, did his residency training at Hasatep University, and I'm going to ask him actually probably to correct my pronunciation on that. Dr. Kilic, could, am I saying that correctly, or can you correct me on that, how to say that? Okay, I mean, it's, it's a problem with the Turkish C. It's, it's Hacettepe. Hacettepe. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. And um, just to continue introducing you to him, he's currently professor of psychiatry, working full time at the at the psychiatry department of Hacettepe University Medical School in Ankara. As a member of the academic staff, he takes part in education directed both to students and residents in addition to clinical work. His main clinical and research interests are in the area of anxiety disorders, traumatic stress, psychiatric assessment, and epidemiology. And after the major earthquakes of 1999 in Turkey, he took part as research and clinical supervisor in an international project led by University of London Institute of Psychiatry, where he also completed his PhD. He was the principal investigator of the first nationally representative epidemiological survey, the Mental Health Profile of Turkey, and the COPI of the World Mental Health Survey Turkey. He is also associate editor of two scientific journals, the Turkish Journal of Psychiatry and the Journal of Traumatic Stress. Dr. Kilic, thank you so much time for, uh, thank you so much for your time today uh, joining me on COVID Calls. I thank you, Scott. It's, it's a pleasure uh, being here. Um, can, can, I, can I just uh, say one word about uh, Dr. Cemil Taşçoğlu? I mean, I've uh, you. Uh, it was a, such a uh, touching obituary, um, and, and what a, what a nice way to to start uh, such, such a program, such a, such a talk. And he was not my. Um, I mean, I, I I haven't met him, but I, I probably because I graduated uh, medical school before he started working there. But I have heard so many nice things about him and. Uh, it was such a touching and, and and such a sad moment when we heard that, that he um, that he died after uh, struggling for for several weeks, maybe some months even. I mean, it was it, it took so so long and and yeah. I mean, uh, and the hospital was named after him, but uh, I think that was not enough. It's it's just a, a very very small thing to do for him. Thank you for for bringing this up. Well, thank you for your reflection on that. And 
Um, I wonder, I mean, it's probably, it's a good place to start. I'm going to ask you also a little bit about the situation there today, but, you know, his death and that reporting must have sent a jolt through the practitioner and scientific community in, in Turkey, as, as has been the case in other countries where a prominent physician or scientist dies, it, it somehow brought some extra gravity to the, to the situation. It sounds like that must have been somewhat similar there. Well, I mean, I I agree, and I mean, to 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 an extent, I agree. I mean, it's in in Turkey, it's uh, the uh, the events. I mean, they're, they're, the, the life um, evolves so rapidly. I mean, so many things happen, and and the uh, the, the agenda changes so quickly. I mean, I've uh, I mean, some 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 people uh, jokingly compare. Turkey to, um, to to Sweden, for example, and there, I mean, in Sweden, people, uh, I mean, nothing happens there for for, for for many days. Nothing interesting, nothing tragic. Uh, so in in Turkey, uh, I mean, you're right. Uh, the the uh, the loss of of Dr. Tashoğlu, um, I think, made people realize how how, how serious it is after after his death. Uh, people in the medical community. Uh, they, they um, started, um, I mean, raising their voices. I mean, they they, they became heard, uh, and, and 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 there were slogans uh, that this um, "You are killing us." I mean, just that they were uh, <clears throat> addressing the government, meaning you're not taking enough measures, and uh, so on. But uh, I think after that, so many other doctors died. And uh, a couple of months ago, I mean, two or three months ago, when uh, around um, November and December, when when, when the deaths uh, had uh, uh, peaked, and, and uh, we, we started hearing two or three doctors dying every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so I mean, if if you count all the uh, health workers, there there are scores of them, but. but I mean, medical doctors dying uh, almost every day or every other day. That's, uh, I mean, sadly, that uh, that changes the, the agenda of, of, of people. It's it's not easy to to pe- pe- keep people focused on uh, on, on the deaths of, um, of of doctors and and even, I mean, I mean, it's 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 sad to say this, but sometimes it's even it causes a backlash. I mean the. I was telling you about how divided this this country is before we started our conversation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and sometimes people say, well, I mean it's it's their job. Why why are they? I mean screaming. Why why are they whining and and yeah. uh, so on. I want to just um, maybe find out a little bit uh, at the beginning here. Maybe you could tell us where you're located, where you're calling from, and what's the situation like there today, if I was to walk down the street where you are, would I see people in masks or not, social distance or not? Okay. I mean, um, I, I work at Hacettepe uh, University Medical School uh, in Ankara. I mean, Ankara is the capital of Turkey. And uh, I've been working here for well, less, I, I forgot how many years, more than 30 years now. And just, I mean, if you... Uh, <clears throat> um, I mean, for for a couple of years, I was uh, away from from uh, from this university, 
just after the for a couple of years after the 99 earthquakes uh, I had a, a couple of years of, of, of a break and went to the uh, earthquake area I worked there for two years and I did my uh, PhD at London University and, and came back to my university so uh, um, the in, in Ankara I would say I mean uh, if you walk on the streets you'll see everyone in masks because there is, it's a, it's a, there is a simple reason. It's, it's, uh, it's required by the law. Unless, unless <laughs> I mean, uh, unlike uh, other countries like the US, I think in Britain, I mean, there, you are encouraged to, to, to put on masks and, and we are uh, <clears throat> legally, I mean, forced to, to, to wear masks. I mean, you can, you can see people wearing them on their chins <laughs> sometimes and, and the most common way to, to wear it is just leave the nose out uh, and, and just um, mm. I mean in passing I, I would like to say that I mean we're now starting a study uh, to, to find out if, if claustrophobia is uh, has any effect on this because claustrophobics do not like their, their noses covered so and <clears throat> But in Ankara, I mean, largely you would see people uh, in masks, uh, almost everyone. Uh, in, in, in closed spaces, you would see and some, uh, I mean, social distancing, social distancing is not um, uh, what, uh, uh, adhered to, uh, I mean, as, as well as it, it, in, in masks. So, I mean, when I go shopping, Looks like we've frozen for a second. Um, in most cases, that clears up rapidly, and Dr. Kilich will be right back with us. Just a reminder that you're listening to COVID calls, and I'm talking with Dr. Genghis Kilich today, getting the perspective on his mental health research in Turkey. Let me. Okay, are we are we back? Yeah. Look, I lost you for a minute, uh, just uh, not long at all, and uh, you were telling us about the uh, scene okay. on the street there, um, social distancing not being as much of a player, but that the law requires the masks, and some people are following that. Yes, I mean, I, I when when I go to the uh, local shop, I, I can. Well, I mean, people wait in the line. Uh, well, I mean, some people uh, observe the rules, some, some people don't, but, but masks are in place. But I mean, having said that, this is, this is, uh, this is Ankara, this is the capital, this is the, one of the uh, cities with uh, the highest education level, I mean, in general. But, but I, I hear from other people, from other, um, other cities, uh, where people, I mean, don't, uh, don't, don't put on masks at all. So um, I think, I mean, in larger cities, pe people observe this, this rule, but uh, uh, not, not everywhere. So I wonder if you could just sort of set the landscape for us a, a little bit. You know, health systems around the world are so different. And even within the United right. States, where even within countries, you often have multiple different types of systems. But could you give it, me just a kind of a brief explainer when people talk about the health system and the response to COVID in Turkey? What does that look like? 
Okay. I mean, in Turkey, the, the first thing to know is that it's dominated by the uh, by the state. I mean, I think about eighty uh, percent of all healthcare is provided by the state, and the, uh, and the private hospitals and, and the private doctors and, and so on. Just, 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 just a fraction. So, and, and our our health system is uh, <clears throat> is adapted from from the British old British system in the sixties, nineteen sixties when we uh, when we uh, just set up um, the the primary care and and the, 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 the this uh, this stepped approach and, and there were primary care uh, units were, were built all over the country and. and so that there are the, the, the GPs, general practitioners, are the first point of contact everywhere. And although we couldn't make it work like the British did, uh, it's very much in place now. I mean, they, their name has changed. The, the, the GPs have become family physicians. <clears throat> Sorry, but they are in every neighborhood. You would you would find one or two uh, general practitioners where the, uh, the as the first point of contact. For example, they are the ones who are um, administering the, the vaccines now, the, the, uh, the, the COVID shots, and um, so they refer you to the um, to the to the uh, I mean hospitals or the, to the university hospitals. But I mean, uh, from the the university. Law and preventing them from, from doing so. Uh, okay. So uh, in, in in fighting the, the COVID in, infection, and, and and that was very helpful. I think. I mean, uh, you can we can go into detail, uh, but but I mean, well, Turkey was not one of the best um, examples, but uh, it did uh, fairly well, I think, in in, in fighting COVID. There. Um, the, the, I mean, the the, um, the government tried to 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 play down or, or uh, the numbers in, in the start, but apart from that, um, the handling of uh, COVID in in, uh, in in the countrywide uh, was uh, was was pretty good and and evenly distributed. I would say. I mean, it's not. It was. It's not uh, like I'm mean, being good in Istanbul and, and, and bad in everywhere else. It's uh, mm -hmm. because of this uh, GP system. I think it's uh, it's pretty good. So that yeah. means that um, and, for yeah. average citizen, they can walk into a clinic. Hospitals are locally um, situated, and the the idea of distribution. You know, this is what we faced in the United States. Is we have huge pockets of of the country in which healthcare is either not available or only lightly available, and then the idea is you surge care wherever you need it in the moment. That might work fine if you're not facing a 50-state pandemic, but when the whole country is under uh, assault from a virus, that system doesn't work. Sounds like what you're describing is a much more even distribution of care across the country. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I was saying it's, it's modeled after the British system, and, and, and the general practitioner referring to the uh, I mean, and local a uh, general practitioner who, who's, who's responsible of, say, I mean, in Turkey, it's about three to 4,000 people, a population. So it's the, 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 um, the advantage of the system is that this, this GP knows almost everyone 
by name or, or, or they recognizes their face and and, and so uh, and and this is this is everywhere i mean everywhere we have gps it's, it's not like the us i mean i i if i i mean i, I don't want to divert the, the the point of discussion but uh, it's it's sad to see uh, how one of i mean one of the richest uh, countries on, on on earth the us has has done so bad in in in, in yeah in handling and covid i mean the the maximum death uh, rates it's it's a proof that the the system is not working and and uh, so um, i mean Tur- turkey is is uh, historically is modeling itself <laughs> after after us so uh, this is proof that it's it's wrong right Anyone, any country that's that's modeled its health system after the United States will have to take a good hard look uh, right. after this. It's uh, certainly Donald Trump played his role, but uh, uh, he didn't invent the health system in the in the United States. Uh, you know, right. I, I, just to follow up because your research is focused on on mental health, and um, I, I have so many questions I want to ask you. I want to talk about the 1999 earthquake, but um, just to get a, a sense of the the mental health resources in the country does it follow that that same pattern is it generally widely available that people can find um, mental health interventions in terms of therapy and also um, pharmaceuticals well i mean i i would say more or less um, i mean well if if you look at the distribution of of uh, mental health professionals i mean we are in short supply of clinical psychologists but in terms of psychiatrists, I think they're, um, I mean, we're, we're in, in a much, much better position, say, than 20 years ago. But uh, the, the state, the, the Ministry of Health is trying to, uh, I mean, well, I mean, <clears throat> is trying to, to keep the distribution even by uh, imposing uh, compulsory service and things like that. So uh, I would say, I mean, you, you would find a psychiatrist in, in smaller towns in, in distant parts of Turkey. But uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, most, most of them are situated in Ankara, Istanbul, and Izmir, larger cities. But, but still, uh, you, you can find a psychiatrist uh, in, in many parts of the, of the country. But uh, apart from that, I mean, I would say, the, um, compared to European countries or to the US, we have much less emphasis on, on psychotherapy. And in, in medical schools, I mean, this is, this, the blame is on us, on me and, 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 and my colleagues and, and others, because in, in medical school, um, we don't teach um, uh, ways of, of, of healing without, without medications, without uh, um, surgery or, or ECT or things like that. So, um, and another thing, I mean, um, well, treatment um, treatments other than uh, uh, pharmacotherapy are, are harder to teach and, and take longer, actually. I mean, although they are more advantageous, they are cheaper. I mean, in the long run, they are more uh, eco-friendly. You see, I mean, uh, <clears throat> they don't have any side effects and things like that. But uh, when you think about uh, training someone in doing psychotherapy, it takes much longer, and and uh, administering it uh, takes much longer. So we have uh, we have a 
quite a short supply of uh, people who um, who can uh, provide um, psychotherapy. But the I think the, the not the state, but uh, the psychiatric association or other associations are trying to fill the gap. I mean, there are there are lots of associations. Like I mean, I, I know the the sexual therapy. There is a sexual therapy association who trains psychiatrists after after they become psychiatrists after they specialize. Uh, yeah. They they, they uh, provide training so that I mean you can now find sexual therapists in uh, distant parts of Turkey. I mean, which is shocking to me. I mean, I've, mm. I'm, I'm I'm impressed when I hear someone from eastern parts of Turkey who has this uh, experience and then so so can treat patients. So there are lots of um, and and the Psychiatric Association of Turkey is I think very active and very. Doing very good things and in training uh, psychiatrists in, in different types of um, uh, psychotherapies. So this is uh, well. I mean, it's it's improving, but uh, in, if if you want to, to general picture, mm -hmm. most of the psychiatrists uh, just uh, provide only pharmacotherapy, and, and and only a minority of people are receiving uh, psychotherapy. And, and people who can access psychotherapy are still uh, mostly in, in larger cities. Just a reminder, you're listening to COVID Calls, and I'm talking with Dr. Genghis Kilic about the pandemic and focusing in on the experience in Turkey. And I want to turn the conversation now to really focus on the work you've been doing at this time. You've been extraordinarily busy, and congratulations on the work, and I want to hear about it in detail. You, you have mobilized a study pretty early on in assessing mental health impacts, mental health impacts of the pandemic both for people who have already been diagnosed with disorders, but also for people who haven't been diagnosed. Start wherever you'd like. I'd like to hear about all of it. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not, um, I mean, I, I have to confess, I'm, I'm not a fast-acting person. I mean, we, we started uh, to, to realize what's happening in, in March, mid-March, although we, we knew about the, the pandemic, uh, I'm not sure if it was named uh, coined the pandemic at that time, but but we we knew it it has had arrived in Turkey, and I think we had the first death from from COVID in, in twenty March twenty, and suddenly instantly in in a few days, if not some weeks. Uh, the studies uh, started pouring in, pouring in. I mean, everyone started doing uh, COVID-related mental health studies. I mean, I, um, I, I, I sit at, as the associate editor of the Turkish Journal of Psychiatry. I know we received hundreds of uh, studies done in, in a couple of days or, or weeks. And I, I'm sure you also read about them or, or uh, know about them. And there are so many studies accepted by so many respected journals, Lancet and others, that uh, proved to be fake or, or, or wrong uh, in, in this uh, havoc. <laughs> so um, 
I, I, uh, I resisted for some time in, in starting uh, research instantly, but I focused on, on um, making some videos, training videos for, for the general public. And um, it took some weeks, but I think in uh, April, late April or so, we, um, we made some one minute videos because the attention span of Turkish people is not, a, <laughs> is not too long. And, and, and not just the Turkish people. I mean, if, 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 you, if you are in a pandemic, if you are in, in a threatening situation, you, you, don't, you don't have a long attention span. You need short, short messages. So um, we, we tried to distribute these uh, one-minute uh, videos. And, and, well, I mean, we couldn't. We couldn't. We, we, uh, I, I'm heading a center, of, uh, I mean, a stress research center here. I mean, we have, um, we have a Facebook page, we have Twitter and so on, but only reaches a couple of hundred, maybe a couple of thousand people. So I uh, posted them on the uh, university web page, and, and, but, but still it's, it did not reach millions. And then we started uh, this, um, this research on the um, mental health patients. Our, our, I mean, our patients, the, the patients who, who we see it, it are our patients. And uh, I, I wanted this to be, uh, I mean, to, to have two aims for this. Uh, first, to, to see how, um, how the mental health patients and psychiatric patients are affected by the pandemic. In, um, I, I don't know if it's um, uh, appropriate to, to say this, but uh, we were, I mean, I was trying to find a name for our study, and we, I jokingly referred to it as, is psychiatry really necessary? The, the name of the, <laughs> of the study would be, uh, because I thought we could see after the, um, when we end this study, we would see if uh, our patients actually uh, needed to come to us. Maybe, maybe we'll see that the, 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 they stopped coming to psychiatry for several months, but they were doing okay. And, and, and so uh, we would know that uh, in, in, a, in a future pandemic or in a future um, alien invasion or something, we, we, we would need, need to worry about our psychiatric patients. Or uh, another scenario would be uh, to see if, uh, I mean, which which types of patients need care and which can wait for, for, for a year without any consultation. So uh, at the second, my second aim was to, to involve uh, psychiatric residents, people uh, in training to be psychiatrists uh, in, in, the, in the research process. Uh, I mean, no other, I, I don't think any, any other, uh, I mean, academician has done this. And I, I involved 12 uh, psychiatric residents in this mm -hmm. and forced them or, or encouraged them to collect data. And, and I, I hold, uh, I, I held, I mean, weekly meetings with them and to discuss what to do next. And, and, and how uh, well, I mean, at least some of them are now uh, more uh, motivated to research. Maybe, I mean, I don't know, in the future, uh, some of them may be researchers. But uh, we are now about to complete data collection. So 
it's, it's not it's not a complete done study yet. We we, we could reach um, five hundred around five hundred uh, patients so far. So, I mean, we, we targeted about a thousand. Uh, some of them around 20%, uh, I mean, did not want to participate. There were um, refusals, but uh, we couldn't reach some because they were, I mean, they did not have uh, appropriate phone numbers or so. Um, and, and some were not just, uh, <clears throat> I mean, eligible, meaning, I mean, they were uh, dementia, they were, yeah, things like that. But the, the I mean, I, had, I haven't in, analyzed the, the data yet, but, uh, I mean, the, I think the most important thing is that they have a very high rate of uh, COVID positive. I mean, 10% yeah. of, of the people uh, we called, uh, they, they said they had a confirmed uh, uh, COVID positive. I mean, we did not check the hospital records if they're telling us the truth, but there is no reason to suspect. So um, that's, that's much that's, higher that's, than the background rate in the population. So that's yes. pretty fascinating insight there. Yes. It, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are several conclusions to be made. I mean, I I, I haven't uh, an, analyzed the data yet. So, but uh, it, it's it could be uh, very interesting. I mean, uh, uh, I was talking to the head of the psychiatry association in Turkey the other day, and we we talked about. I mean, they were trying to uh, convince the the uh, minister of health to include uh, mental health patients in the priority list to be vaccinated. And now, I mean, I mean in, in, in Turkey, the, the, the priority list of, of vaccination, uh, I mean, uh, the, the first uh, <clears throat> group was the, uh, um, the health workers, including myself. So we were all vaccinated in say about a month ago. And then the older people, the elderly, starting with the 75 plus and then uh, gradually going down. And I mean, but uh, people who have serious uh, chronic illnesses, they were vaccinated, they were started to be vaccinated, but mental health patients are not included. So the, 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 uh, our, our association is trying to, to um, convince. So, so our study results may be very helpful in convincing them. So I'm, it's my feeling, I haven't, um, I'm, I'm not sure about it, but it's my feeling that there are many uh, mental health conditions that increase the chances of uh, acquiring COVID. It's not just like severe mental health um, uh, problems like schizophrenia. I mean, pe mm -hmm. people who don't know, uh, I mean, who have lost uh, reality. I mean, there are people who are who have attention deficits, so so they, they forget. I mean, they, they touch things and they, they, they uh, so they are, <clears throat> or, or they are, I mean, there are other people. I mean, depression is so so uh, right. a common condition. I mean, depressed people would not care about acquiring COVID. They, they would also forget. They would be forgetful. So there are so many conditions, mental health conditions, mm -hmm. that could increase the chances. And so uh, it's, it's important to, um, yeah. That's such, uh, thank you for explaining it in that detail too. I had a, a fascinating conversation uh, last week on COVID calls with bioethicist at Johns Hopkins named Travis Reeder. And um, he mm -hmm. does research on um, areas that are in some ways overlapping or adjacent to some of the things you're interested in and, and particularly looking at opioid um, addiction at this time and mm -hmm. raising this quite difficult issue um, that you know, people with pre-existing health conditions 
Um, you know, obviously, isolation has been the number one pub public health measure in lockdown that because that's the one size that fits most, but it doesn't work for everyone and people who may need communities of care. And I think that might extend to what you're describing here. Yep. Uh, that isolation can exacerbate um, existing conditions and make things much, much worse for them. And so he was th focusing on addiction, but I that kind of logic must apply also to some some of the kind of uh, mental health conditions that you were just describing. Definitely. I mean, um, it, I mean, I, I I'm not an expert in in, in, uh, in substance use, but but when I talk to friends who are experts, they say, well, I mean, uh, we we wouldn't like our patients to use drugs, but but when they are confined to home, they cannot find find the drugs. And and they, uh, they 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 can suffer serious abstinence, which is which may be dangerous. And plus, plus if if they can't go out and and, and find a joint or something, they may uh, hit their wives. That there, I mean, the in, uh, the violence at home increases. So uh, so so there are very serious uh, consequences. I mean, we have um, we have lots of. I mean, in, in the uh, in the last couple of months, we had uh, several psychiatrists committing suicide, and we we, I, we don't know uh, for certain if, if this is connected to to COVID, I mean post COVID effects or or, mm. or, or to, to to depression. But I think uh, I mean confinement, uh, isolation uh, has a role, at, at least some role. I mean, in in the past, people could go out, people uh, could be visited by others, people would commune. Uh, when, when you're alone, it's, it's easier to, to take your life and without anyone, I mean, interfering. So there are, there are lots of lots of factors that we don't know, still we don't know, and, and we will learn maybe in the coming months or years. I mean, that, is, is that something called post-COVID? Uh, depression. I mean, I mean, I'm not sure about this. I mean, my the closest um, example I, I, I can observe is my older brother. Um, he's, he's seven years older than, than me. He said, I mean, he had COVID two months ago, and uh, he, he didn't have to be hospitalized, but but he had it. Uh, I mean, he was well, uh, um, not so severe, but a moderate case. Uh, he said, uh, I'm, I, I was in tears when I was watching uh, a TV uh, soap opera. Uh, this happened for the first time, he said. I mean, he, he felt depressed without any apparent reason. We don't know if, if there we will be encountering uh, organic, uh, I mean, organically caused depression or, or any anxiety disorder in the future. So. Um, I mean, the future is, <laughs> uh, so. Um, I mean, there are so many unknown things about the, uh, the future of COVID. I want to, if it's okay, I'd like to go back in time a little bit. We touched on this just briefly in passing earlier on um, the 1999 uh, earthquake in Turkey was absolutely devastating. Um, and it was... Um, I don't know, you know, the figures and the earthquake deaths c can often be quite misleading because there's the quake itself, the collapse of buildings, but it was followed by a fire and also a tsunami. I mean, it was just a, a catastrophe. And I know that that you spent, as you said earlier on, two years studying 
that. And and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about um, your own work there. I'm interested in what you learned there and then how you've been able to apply that to thinking about about this disaster. And and I think um, it seems like there's you know, looking at the mental health, you know, of, of victims and families is one part of it, but you also developed an interest in, in first-line responders and health professionals themselves and their own mental health and disaster, which 1999, that was pretty cutting-edge stuff. I think it's a little bit more well-studied now, but you were really doing some path-breaking work then. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I thank you for, uh, I mean, letting me talk about 99 earthquake because I think it changed my life for, uh, for good. Um, in uh, I was in at uh, at the same institution that I'm working now in Ajaktepe when the earthquake happened, but I was not, uh, I was not happy. I was, I, I had, I was having problems with the department head, and I was. Um, uh, I mean, it, it just happened at a time, at the right time. Um, well, this is ironic. I'm saying right time, but uh, for me, for my life at least. And after, after the after the earthquake, a, the um, a, a colleague of, of mine who was working at London University, he started. He said, "Well, I'm starting a project backed by London University. Would you like to come and, and work with me on that?" And this would be some, something that I, I like, and then quit my job at Tajetepe and move to the area. I mean, I lived uh, at the fault line, actually. I mean, just 50 meters away from, from that for, for two years. And uh, uh, I, I was supervising uh, psychologists who saw patients who, I mean, not patients, but I mean, earthquake survivors uh, who treated them. And I also conducted research, which also became my PhD thesis for London University. So, I mean, they, I learned a lot. And, and um, first, how to assess in detail people who have endured such a horrible, uh, frightening event. And also, it was the first time um, that I developed an interest in, in positive outcome. Of, um, of such events. And I think, I mean, if we have, to have time to talk about that as well, I mean, see uh, the, the, um, the research we uh, proposed to um, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the Converge, uh, the consortium, the, the project that is headed by, by Laura Peake, who, who, also, also, who was also your guest seven months ago. And um, the, uh, I think, the, I mean, it's, it's much common for people, for researchers to look at the, the negative uh, outcome of disasters or adverse events, which is quite natural because in the medical school, we, we learn about all the um, adversities. I mean, what's your symptom? I mean, yeah, do you have pain? Do you have uh, nausea or something? I mean, we don't uh, ask you how happy you are. We ask you how, how sad you are, right? So, um, I mean, it was the first time I, I realized that we could look at this and and the mayor of the town, uh, it's, it's, it's a small town called Deir Mandere where I lived. It was just at the fault line. And when I, mean, I was talking to him about, about my studies, he said, you know, it's, it's interesting uh, to, that you say this. I, uh, he said, 
um, I didn't know such such a thing existed, but uh, I'm very happy that I learned about this positive outcome, the positive uh, possible outcome of, of this, because he said after the earthquake, as a mayor, I feel more um, useful. I, I mean, this is this is the this is a, such a time that I mean I haven't felt uh, so good before. I mean I. Everything I do is useful. I mean, it saves some people. Everything I do is is meaningful. And and before that, I mean, normal, so-called normal times. I mean, we were just passing killing time. So now I, I, I take a decision. I, I demolish a building. Everything I do touches someone or or, or helps someone. And and uh, so we we saw many other cases. I mean, I I remember. Uh, I mean, the, the widowers of, of uh, dockyard workers and, and, and the um, an un uneducated woman, uh, a housewife, uh, suddenly uh, became a, a worker at, at the uh, I mean, shipyard hmm. because uh, her husband died at, at the earthquake and they had to, uh, <clears throat> what, I mean, uh, employ uh, their right. wives uh, to, to, yeah, to, to keep up working. And, and these women, so I, I've interviewed some of them, they are so different. They said, well, I, mean, I feel so um, different and I'm so, so confident than before. They have uh, taken up their, the, the role, the job of, of their uh, dead husbands, but uh, they, they have uh, the, the Breadwinner, they become the breadwinners of the families. They feel more confident. They, they were the uh, <clears throat> well, they they were the leader in the house. Now they, they become the leader outside as well. And so uh, this this phenomenon. I mean, and, and then I con contacted people from North Carolina. I mean, uh, they were well known uh, researchers, Tedeschi and Calhoun. Charlotte, and I actually met them and visited them afterwards. So I try to uh, include in my assessment uh, uh, in, in any study uh, at least some uh, part of uh, yeah, some questions on, on positive outcomes. So it's, it's not, uh, I think this is, um, this is not just um, devising um, a, a complete and comprehensive assessment i think it's uh, it's also uh, useful i mean to, to to give the complete picture i mean i, I think also it's politically sure. politically correct as well um let me just uh, finish with, with, with yeah. one sentence i think i mean i when i talk to the, the doctors around me I, my colleagues everyone is talking about how uh, this pandemic uh, has has hit us how it did, I mean, how it is um, killing us and suppressing us and so on. I, I think um, we also need to show how strong we are. I mean, we, we as doctors are, are trained to, to fight adversities like this. Mm. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, jo jo I, when I jokingly said it, that there will be an alien invasion and <laughs> sometime yeah. in the future, we will yeah. be the ones to, to, to sure. fight this. So we, we are we are trying to, to, to resist this. So I think I think we, we need to include the assessment of positive outcome as well. Uh, I, thank you for that discussion, and it it points to so many things that I've been struggling to even to conceptualize. And it's really helping me think through. Yeah, you know, we 
we have a hard, even the way you started that to talk about that it was a moment in your career in which you were ready for a new set of challenges. Mm -hmm. And we have a hard time talking about solidarity and disaster. I think partially just because the frame and the media driven frame often um, is one in which you're looking for greater and greater levels of devastation. And there's even a term for this now that I've heard in the last few years, which is disaster pornography. That it, <laughs> it almost becomes that the most outrageous scenes um, that can be shown are the ones that are going to get clicks, they're going to get views. And I'm, I'm not faulting the full news media because I think there's a lot of great disaster journalism out there, including great photographers and filmmakers. But that effect is clear. And so you, what you're introducing here is... is uh, a needed corrective to that, which is that there can be great value in studying from a social science perspective, I think, particularly a mental health perspective, the reinforcements, the solidarity, and the, the po you described the positive things that come from that. Finding purpose, um, finding a reordering of the social order. Um, these things happen a lot in disaster, but we almost always measure those as dysfunction. Finding function um, is what seems to me you're describing. So I wonder if we could go a step further with that and if you could say a little bit more about how you might apply some of those things you learned in 99 to what you, the kinds of questions that you're asking today about you know, what the situation in, in Turkey. Right. I mean, I, I think, um, well, I, I, I hadn't heard about this, this disaster pornography term. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think it tells a lot, and um, it's it also. Yeah, I mean, you, you can also see it in. in uh, I mean, scapegoating in, in in times of disaster. I mean, uh, I think I've seen in, in the uh, it's in the U.S. media as well as in Turkish media, uh, people going to the beaches, for example, and it's a crowded beach. Uh, is is a good good picture for to appear on a newspaper. And for people to get angry at, uh, oh, I mean, those selfish people, they, they go to the beaches, they, they crowd the, 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 the beaches and, and so on, which is, I think, one of the least likely places to, uh, to acquire COVID. I mean, it's, it's the crimes in the places. I think, yeah, this, this disaster pornography is, is, is common everywhere. The, um, I mean, what I learned in '99 is, uh, to, in addition to to, um, to assessing uh, psychopathology or negative uh, mental states, uh, I, I learned to focus to focus on positive uh, sides as well. And I think I, um, um, I I will. I mean, I we have not yet started the uh, the study that we. Um, I mean, propose to the to the, the converge uh, study group, uh, which, which was to to study around 500 um, healthcare workers all over. Uh, I mean, from from several different um, uh, institutions in, in around Turkey, and I, I was uh, our, our team and I were, were planning to uh, assess them. On the uh, effects of uh, mental health effects of COVID, but as well as uh, the, the resilience factor. I mean, I, I think if we uh, if we ask them uh, questions on how they manage to to continue keep keep going, 
and what what the what the factors are uh, for for their I mean strength, and if if they have uh, come up with with something positive, I mean, it's um, most of the time um, people when when you don't ask them such questions, they they don't they, I mean they don't um, spontaneously come out. I mean it's it's not easy for for someone who has endured so many uh, adversities to say, well, I, I grew in, in that uh, area. I, I, I'm much better in that area. So I think even just asking those questions can raise awareness. And if you, if you manage to, to uh, disseminate this uh, information, say, I mean, we, uh, we assessed uh, 500 doctors, and they have uh, they have endured so many things. They have seen people die in front of their eyes. They have seen colleagues dying, and and but but still, um, some of them have have. Um, I mean, most of them have survived this. They, they continue fighting, and and plus, some of them have, have even say that they're, they're much better than before. I mean, we we, we get the uh, vaccine, and we're we're much better than than before, right? I mean. It, I mean, before the vaccine, we were more susceptible, uh, weaker, but after the vaccine, we were, we were stronger. It's similar when something, well, it's, it's a very well-known saying. It's uh, the thing that doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. if, you, if, if you are in a fight, <clears throat> you are, uh, what? I mean, it's the, the stealing effect. I mean, you, 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 you're just, uh, <clears throat> uh, you, you fight and if you win, uh, you, you're much stronger. I think if if we just um, make people aware that, that that there is this possibility, uh, it will be. Uh, I'm I'm planning also to, to uh, disseminate it, it uh, through the media as well. Uh, so I think the pe people would be. This will help uh, their mental health in, in a positive way in the end. In although in indirectly. Uh, let me just add one more sentence. I think this. I need to do this. Um, uh, do, I mean, assess the positive um, outcome in the general population as well, and also in in COVID patients. I mean, we will be starting soon an, an assessment of COVID. Uh, I mean, patients who had COVID in our hospital. We will probably reach around the um, six hundred cases as well. And I'll, I'll ask people if, if they have endured positive change or, uh, or, or people who have lost uh, loved ones to COVID, if, if they had any positive change. Because, I mean, if you're not, um, if you're not accustomed to asking such, such questions, it may look odd, but people uh, who have lost someone can grow yeah. in, in some ways and they, they may become more mature, more loving, more giving people after, I mean, compared to, 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 to before their loss. I can only imagine that even having to contemplate that question in a moment of um, yeah. stress is also, um, can provide help and for a form of coping. Um, definitely, so definitely. Just a quick reminder to everyone, you're listening to COVID calls. I'm talking to Dr. Jinkas Kilic today about the pandemic in, in Turkey, and we're talking um, about the 1999 earthquake and implications for today. Um, we're almost up on time, but I did want to get to a couple other things quickly, if we could. One is um, maybe you can help me understand. There's been a lot of reporting um, last year, particularly about some of the issues around reporting cases 
in Turkey. That's not unique to Turkey. We've seen similar um, yeah. questions raised in China and the United States as well, where the reporting was variable in different states as well. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that. What did you notice in, in that regard? How has the case reporting changed over time, if it has? Yeah, I, I think that that's an important point. I, I um, Starting in in March, uh, the, the Minister of Health, uh, actually the Minister, Health Minister, uh, took charge and, and he appeared on, on TV every day and, and started reporting systematically. And in the, in the first weeks, um, um, I mean, he gained uh, lots of popularity. Although, I mean, Turkey is a politically very divided country, polarized country. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I could observe that most people um, and believed and, and had, had trust in him. But, but uh, I mean, uh, slowly after after some weeks, when the um, the, the numbers the, the death toll increased and, and the number of, of cases increased they uh, i mean something something suddenly changed and they started reporting i think in it was in may i think um, no in, in, in uh, july in, in july they started this switch to reporting uh, patient number of patients instead of number of cases and 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 when when, when the, news, uh, the the reporters asked well, why this was the case, they said, well, I mean it's, it's a more realistic, uh, I mean picture because I mean the case uh, I mean could be symptom free. I mean so, someone who is symptom free is, is a case, but the patient has symptoms, so it's it's more clinically meaningful. So and, and they they well, I think many many people believed. Um, uh, they, they were. They didn't like the figures. They were to, to, to look um, nice <laughs> and, and low, but they couldn't keep this up for long. After two or three months, I think in the sometime in the in the autumn, uh, maybe uh, it could be September or, or October, they they switched back to um, to cases. I mean, because of the polarization, political polarization or the division in the country, many people still believe. That uh, they are not telling the truth uh, because of the fluctuation in the number of tests uh, done each day. I mean, you, you, when you look at the numbers, some, I mean, on some days you have you see 150,000 tests. The next day you'll see 90,000, which doesn't make much sense. And and, and plus, uh, the, the some I mean, the, the mayor of Istanbul, uh, who is who's, uh, who's from the opposition. He started um, <clears throat> declaring the numbers of deaths each day in, in Istanbul from any cause, which is uh, which he proved that it's, it's it's much higher than than last year, which could also be a, a sign of uh, numbers of COVID being being um, I mean uh, reported low. So uh, I I think I mean I mean my reliable sources the the medical. Uh, Association of Turkey and, and other uh, Psychiatric Association of Turkey. And when, when I listen to, to those people, uh, I can see that the, the government does not report the numbers of uh, uh, COVID, um, I mean, test negative COVID patients, which, mm. which uh, we know there are a lot. I mean, there are people who are dying of COVID and, and they're, they're still negative. Right. Uh, so uh, I mean, if if you are positive, it means you have the you have the virus. But but if you are negative, 
It, it could be either way. I mean, uh, so, so the te test has a very high false negative rate. Uh, so um, that that's the that's the thing. I mean, I think I'm I'm almost sure that uh, they are <clears throat> downplaying the numbers. But uh, my the best um, educated guess would be I think the real numbers are around twice that of, that reported. Well, wow. not 10 times or 20 times, but right. probably, I mean, two times would be more realistic. I mean, that situation you described uh, so resonant with uh, what we experienced in the United States, which, and the part I'm particularly impressed by you pointing out there that once trust is breached, yeah. then it's very hard to repair in the, as the disaster unfolds. And... Um, so you might find people who have a great amount of faith in in science communicators, in health officials, or whatever. But when there's a rupture there, it's hard to rebuild that in the in the moment. Um, it sounds like that's that's what you're describing there. I just want to get to one more thing um, before we wrap up. I know you mentioned you're you're considering doing some mask uh, research. There it was such a complicated topic, a fascinating one, an important one. Um, what are some of your thoughts about that? Uh, people who won't mask in Turkey, um, you mentioned maybe some claustrophobia concerns. I mean, these are health concerns, mental health concerns, or is it more a political statement? In the United States, it's also complicated, but quite often it's a yeah. political statement more than anything else. Yeah, I, I, I remember Trump removing it, right? Uh, uh, before he gave the speech, one of his gesture. last ones. Yeah, yeah. That was right. his patent. That was his patent moment, I guess. He taking off the great defiant <laughs> leader. Right, right. I, I think um, I, I'm. I suspect that we, um, the, the political uh, statement part is uh, is much less in Turkey. But um, I mean, I, I don't know for sure. I, I mean, I uh, you, you, uh, you you said at the beginning, and I, I'm one of my main interests are, are the anxiety disorders and, and phobias, and I was always planning. Uh, I have um, been planning to to you know, conduct a study on, on on simple or specific phobias like claustrophobia, animal phobias, and things like that. The, uh, about a month ago or two months ago. Um, one of our, our residents approached me saying that, that she wanted to do a study uh, on, on, on claustrophobia uh, because her husband is uh, a radiologist working in, in MR, MRI scans, and, and there are people who can't go in MRIs, they're claustrophobic. And I said, why don't we do a study and study of claustrophobia in, in mask, about the relationship with mask wearing? I think I said, it's, it's a big issue. She said, "Why not?" And and now we we are, we, are, uh, we apply to the to, to IRB and then we're waiting for the response. And we'll go in the field in a couple of weeks when after we uh, receive that, your all assessment is ready. And I um, in the, in the studies when when you look at, at the literature, um, there are uh, several factors that affect your wearing a mask. And, and, and well, I mean, some of them are physical. Some people don't like it. They, they, they give them, I mean, rashes, itches, and, 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 and so on. They say they cannot breathe. They, can, they, they, they say, well, they cannot uh, run and, and do their work. They, uh, uh, and, and, and so on. And, and some say, well, no one can dictate me, things like that, right? And the political statement one. And, and some uh, are 
the um, like the uh, <coughs> uh, the uh, the conspiracy conspiracists, and they say, well, there, there's no COVID. I mean, they're just they're fooling us. They're uh, I don't need to wear a mask. And, and and they say that so many people died. It's it's a lie. Have you seen anyone dying? I mean, uh, that, that's, a, that's that's another group. And and some say, well, <clears throat> I mean, they 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 make this um, they make it a law to to wear a mask because they want to sell masks to everyone. They and things like that. So I think claustrophobia will will come out as a strong predictor. I I I just know. I just don't know. I mean, what's the percentage? I don't know if it will come out, come out as the first and the strongest, but I think it will come out as as one of the um, strong predictors of um, mask wearing because I see so many, so many people wearing the mask but leaving the nose out. Mm -hmm. So we we know that. I mean, there are scientific studies. We know that uh, wearing it over your nose doesn't. Uh, lower the oxygen levels in, in your blood. It's so, I mean, it's, it's just uh, mm -hmm. feeling more comfortable with your nose mm -hmm. out, which, which I think will closely relate to claustrophobia. And if you if can show this, it'll, it'll have a strong uh, position to suggest that, well, we, we need to treat all claustrophobics to reduce the cost of, of uh, I mean, COVID, so we will save some lives. That's mm -hmm. that. See, that's the main thing underneath that. You have so many lines of research going. I, I want to um, remind everybody you've been listening to COVID calls and you can catch COVID calls usually at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, today, special time, 5 p.m. Korea time. And uh, just a reminder on Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern time, I'll continue my discussions as part of my partnership with the LePage Center uh, and my guests will be Jessica Martucci and Britt Dahlberg, and we'll be talking about um, their project, Experiences of Recovery, Disability, and Politics in Pandemic. So please do join me for that 5 o'clock on Monday. And I want to thank my guest, Jingus Kilich, for this um, tour of your research you have ongoing. It's extraordinary, and I wish you the best of luck with it. And with the Converge uh, study, it's going to be a heavy lift, but I, I really... I'm excited to to keep up with it and hear about the results when they when they start to come in. Thanks for your time today. I thank you, Scott, and and for giving me this opportunity to to talk at least about some of my research. And I'm very glad to have met you. Thank you. Same here. Stay healthy, everybody. We'll see you on Monday, five o'clock. Mm -hmm.